We're going to be looking at Philippians 1, which uh, Laura shared with us a little earlier in the service. So if you want to open up your Bibles to Philippians 1, page 1826 uh, in your pew Bibles, that's where we're going to be be looking at. We have this uh, uh, snappy theme that we put together for this uh, message series, When Life Gives You Lemons. thought that was pretty snappy. Because in your mind, it would trigger a response, which would be, Make lemonade, right? Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was pretty pretty cool, but then somebody uh, online was a little snarky. You ever meet anybody snarky online? You ever do that? And they go, well, no. If life gives you lemons, really all you have is just a big cup of sour juice. That's all you get. Because if you want to make lemonade, you have to add water and sugar. I was going to type back, but no. I let it sit there. Uh, and I thought about that, and I thought, oh, that's actually pretty good. So much for your snarkiness. I'm going to use it on Sunday morning, because I think that's pretty good. Because that's right, life does give us a bunch of lemons, right? Which is just a bunch of a sourness. And so the purpose of this series, which we're doing over the next three weeks, is to look at what we need to add to that sourness, if you will, the water and the sugar, so that it can become lemonade. In the direction that I'm going to be pointing us is we look at different Bible characters who, who certainly face lemons in their life, uh, is that what they were ab- able to add into their life is God. Uh, without sounding so simplistic, I hope over the next three weeks you'll be able to kind of journey with us and, and hear where we're, where we're going in this because I do believe that when we add God uh, into the lemons that we experience in life, we are able uh, to make some lemonade. Because certainly life gives us lemons, doesn't it? Life gives us uh, lemons. It's not a matter of uh, will we get lemons. It's a matter of when we get lemons. And I know what's going on in the life of our church family now, and I know uh, many of you have some big, bold lemons that you're, that you're dealing with right now, but I'm guessing most of us would be able to raise our hand and say, yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with some lemons in my life. If not now, I have, and there probably will be some uh, coming in the future. That is life. I'm just going to throw that out there right now and say life is filled with lemons. Why? Because we live in a broken and sin-filled world. Since Genesis... Chapter 3 tells us, since sin entered into the world, the goodness that God created has become marred by the sin, and the evil one is roaring around like a lion trying to devour us here on earth. And so he throws lemons our way, trying to break us and discourage us and push us away from God and uh, destroy our lives. But the good news is this, that God is bigger than all of those lemons. God is bigger than the enemy in this world. Our God tells us in Romans uh, 8.28, which I know many of us has heard time and time again, that it says God can take all things, God can take all things, and God can work for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say that all things are good. Don't hear that in that passage. It doesn't say that at all. Because all things are not good from this perspective that we have on earth. But God can take all things and he can make them good. 
That's what the scripture says. Because I know where there's a place without lemons. It's our heavenly home. We're given a glimpse of that in Revelation. It tells us that in that heavenly home, it's a place where there's no more mourning, no more pain, no more death, no more, no more dying, where all the, the, the sin and brokenness is suddenly all reversed back to the goodness and the glory of God, back to the way God intended in the kingdom of God. There is no lemons in the kingdom of God. And we have to recognize that here on earth, in this broken and sin-filled place that we are on earth, we are simply aliens, says the scriptures, and strangers passing through. This is not our home. This lemon-filled place is not our home. And I am so glad because I get incredibly ticked off at what I see happening in this world. I get angry at what I see happening in this world. Makes me mad, the sin and the brokenness. And I hope it does you too. Because it makes me want Jesus more and more. And it makes me saying, yeah, it is such good news that I'm just passing through here. And that I do have a heavenly home where there are no limits. And friends, that's where we need to keep our eyes. We need to keep our eyes on who we are in God and who we are in Jesus Christ. Too often our eyes get focused on this world and we're like, oh, well, if God loved me, why would I have pain? If God loved me, why would I get sick? If God loved me, why would my family go through this? And we ask these questions about earth and we just have to recognize that this is going to be a lemon-filled place because of sin. But the good news is that we're passing through and one day, because that's who we are as Christians, that one day we'll be living in eternity with God forever where there are no more lemons. But until that day, until that day we face them, and the scriptures tell us in Romans that our God can take what the enemy throws at us, we get that big pile of lemons and we're standing there with this glass of sour juice, and he tells us that God can take this sour juice and in all things make it good and do good. That's the promise. And I think we see that lived out in the life of Apostle Paul in the reading that we had today in Philippians. Because I was thinking about Bible characters who, who faced a lot of lemons in life. And I would say Paul would be one of those uh, Bible characters. And right away we're surprised because we go, oh my goodness, here's a man who loved God. He gave his life to serving God. He was sold out to preaching the gospel across the world. He was a man that God, you know, should, should just have been blessed over and over and over again because he was a force to reckon with for the kingdom of God. And yet that man, the Apostle Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, faced lemons in his life over and over and over again. Listen to Paul's uh, testimony to some of his lemons. We find these in 2 Corinthians 11. Paul says this as he uh, is talking about other people. He says, uh, I have been in prison more than anyone. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Uh, I have been in prison uh, more than anyone. I have uh, been flogged more severely than anyone. 
And we know what flogging is, where they take the whips like Jesus did with the little balls and the little shards and, and whip it into the back of them to teach them. And he's like, I, I faced the flogging more severely and have been exposed to death again and again. So not just once he faced death, but again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. And that was a symbol like we're going to whip you just until you can have life above just a nanosecond of life left in you. He said, look how many times he said that happened. He says that happened to me five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night at the day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Does that not sound like a list of lemons to you? It sounds like a truckload of lemons to me. Any one of those would have pushed me over the edge. Any one of them. One lash would, would put me over the edge. Right? But Paul went again and again. This man who was serving God, that's what he faced. He gets these lemons. And so we see that in the midst of these lemons, Paul writes to us in Philippians, where we're at today, Paul writes to us in Philippians from prison. That's another big old lemon, thrown again in prison, falsely accused and thrown in prison. And here's Paul writing in prison. Now to understand in Philippians, this is not the, um, uh, the Mamertine uh, jail uh, prison that Paul was uh, often found in, which was uh, really below the sewer, uh, it was in the sewer system of the cities. And it was a dark, dank place, kind of walled off, underground. You only got there through a grate. They would remove at the top and they would drop you in there. A lot of Paul's prison time was spent in one of those. But Paul here in Philippians is now under what we would call house arrest. That's his prison. Because he made an appeal as a Roman citizen that I'm a Roman citizen and you got to deal with me as a Roman citizen because that's who I am. And so they brought him to Rome, they put him under house arrest, and he's waiting to hear his trial, and we do know that Paul is going to die just shortly after this. And so Paul is here under house arrest, and he's writing this letter to us, in, uh, to writing the letter to the Philippians here. And in this letter, uh, as Paul is writing this, i got to believe he, he would have just have some uh, frustration, uh, maybe some, some anger again towards God. Because Paul says in the beginning of Romans, he says, the one thing I want to do is I want to go to Rome and I want to preach the word. That was his heartbeat. I want to go to Rome and I want to preach the word. And then from Rome I want to go on to Spain and preach the word. That's what I want to do, God. And now he's finally in Rome and he's not preaching the word, but where is he? In prison. Great. Way to go, God. Way to go, God. I'm your man. I'm committed to preaching your word, bringing across the world, telling everybody I endure all these things for you. All I want to do is preach the word, bring it to Rome, but now, God, you planted me in prison. Way to go, God. What do you know? Toss me another lemon. But that's not Paul's heart, is it? What did Paul say in his letter? If we look at Paul's letter to the Philippians. We look at Philippians 1. 
I'm looking at the very first verse, verse 12. Paul says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, which is being in prison, what has happened to me, has actually served to advance the gospel. How about that? I landed here in prison. It looked like it was one big old lemon because my heart was to, to preach the gospel. But you know what actually happened while I'm here in prison? I got to advance the gospel. That wasn't my plan. God put me here. God allowed the circumstances of life to land me here in this prison, and God has been able to work out good for it because I've been able to advance the gospel. His heartbeat was to go to Rome. And what happens here is he says, this has allowed me to advance the gospel. That word advance is like a military term. If we're an army and uh, we're going in and we got to go through the jungle, we're sending the lead group with the machetes and we're, we're cutting through, we're making the pathway so everybody can follow behind. Do you get the image there? That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, my being here in, in, in prison has now allowed me to hack through, to open up a way so that the gospel can now be brought into all of Rome. This is amazing, he says. This is what God has, has, has done. I, I, I've been dealt this lemon, but I can deal with it. And my heart can beat a little bit with it because my eyes are on the kingdom, right? For me to, to, uh, uh, to live as Christ, to die is gain. That's where I'm headed. And the more people that I can bring with me into glory, the more people that I can see experiencing the goodness of God, the more people that I can see in his kingdom, that's my heartbeat. That's what I'm living for. Because this stuff on earth, it's just, I'm just an alien and stranger passing through. I can't take any of this with me. All moth and rust is going to destroy everything here on earth. We're here for but a blip. But we're in eternity forever with our God. We're in his glory, and that's what I live for. So the more that I can bring with me, how awesome that is. And I am here in prison, and right now, I'm okay with it. Because I can advance the gospel into all of Rome, and that's my heartbeat. That's what I'm living for. And God's allowing that to happen through my circumstances here. And he says, as a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard, verse 13, to the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. The palace guard. This was the, the, the cream of the crop. The Roman guards, think... Uh, uh, maybe our Navy SEALs. These were the, 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 the guys who were at the top. These were the rugged guys. These were the guys who uh, had all the clout, the prestige. These were the guards of all guards. And they've been assigned to watch this, this prisoner who's going to talk to Caesar. And they've got to make sure nothing happens to him. And so day and night, they are chained to Paul in this house. Is that not sweet? The guard, every six hours... A new guard is chained to Paul in this house. And while they're chained to, for two years, I don't know if it was the same four guards or if they rotated through. I don't know how that worked, but there were a lot of them, apparently, chained to Paul. And while they were with Paul, what did they hear? The gospel. Paul's reading the Old Testament, which was his Bible of the day. Paul is explaining Jesus Christ to non-believing Jews, because people could come in and visit with him. 
So he's explaining Jesus to non-believing Jews. He's explaining Jesus to just Gentile believers. He's explaining more of the kingdom of God to Christians. This guy is chained next to Paul, listening to him the whole time. Paul begins to dictate his letters to Philippians, and he dictates it to Colossians and Ephesians and Philemon. And Paul's dictating those letters, and the guards have to listen to all of this. And, and just in general conversation, you can imagine nobody in the house, and Paul says, well, let me just, can I tell you about Jesus? And they're like, no! Well, you're chained to me, so too bad. And Paul, can you imagine the rambling that he, and they're like, oh, again. But what's happening is the Jesus, Jesus is coming through, and it says that they, as a result, the whole palace guard, whole is quite a bit, right? Whole means all of the palace guard now knows about Jesus. The military elite. If you would have ever said, you know what, I want to bring the gospel to Rome, and I want a chance to witness and save the whole Roman guard. You're like, no, there's no way you can do that. But Paul lands here in prison. He's in chain, and day after day, he tells the gospel, and the whole palace guard begins to know about Jesus. And notice what he says there, too. He says, not only the palace guard, he says, the whole palace guard and to everyone else. That's an interesting line, isn't it? To everyone else. Flip over to 4, chapter 4, verse 22. Paul is giving his, his greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Could that be the everyone else? That the message that Paul has there in prison has now made its very way to the home of Caesar? And so everybody in Caesar's household is now believing in Jesus Christ. Do you see what's happening here? And Paul says, this happened to me. It was a bad deal. It wasn't my intent. This is not what I wanted to have happen. It's another one of those lemons in my life. But through this situation, God who is stronger, God who is greater, said my kingdom will prevail, and God used this lemon in order to bring the whole palace guard, to bring Caesar's household, and for the way of the gospel to be open to Rome through the apostle Paul. And Paul says, I can live with that. I can live with that. That's my God, and I will praise his name for doing that in and through my name because there's nothing of eternal value. There's nothing that will last any longer than what's happening to me right now. And friends, I just want to encourage you that if you are in a place where you're dealing with, with a lot of lemons in your life, you can get very bitter. You can go sour with those lemons. Or you can turn your face to God. And you can say, God, I am here as your child passing through this earth. And God, I want to be about your purposes and I want to give you glory while I am here. And so can you use where I am to give testimony to you that I can just tell that old, old story, what's happening in their word and what's happening in my life, can I tell? Because anybody can tell the story when good things are going on, right? Anybody, and most of us don't. Good things are going on, we forget about God. But if you hear somebody telling the story, when they're in prison, and like, this must be true. This must be true, and that's where the weight of the scripture falls. So I just want to encourage you to turn your face towards God. 
I was working and prepping on this uh, message series, and uh, this was one of the themes that I knew I was going to talk about. And I had uh, gone that day, uh, that morning, actually, uh, after I had been working, before I actually got setting down to flesh this out, uh, I went and I visited uh, Jay uh, in the hospital. And uh, him and I had a great uh, conversation. And so I asked Jay Swearinga to come here today. Many of you uh, know him. Some of you don't know Jay Swearinga. Uh, Jay is uh, one of our good friends, a longtime uh, uh, member here at Orchard Hill. But this summer, uh, Jay got kind of the dream job of his life, which was with the Detroit Tigers as their PA announcer. And so I want to invite Jay to come forward and uh, just chat with me uh, for a little bit about this. Thank you, Detroit. It's truly a dream come true for me as I begin my first season as Comerica Park's public address announcer. I'm just a fan with a, with a microphone, you know, so that even makes it more fun. And to be able to do it at a place that you come to maybe once or twice a year and you circle the date, you know, that this is the day we're going to a Tiger game and you come on a bus trip, you come with some friends, it doesn't matter. You're just hoping for sunshine and hope for a Tiger's win and to be able to do this 81 times a year. It don't get any better than that. And these seats aren't too shabby either. I can handle this, so it's going to be fun. So, yep, it's going to be a great time. And now, ladies and gentlemen, get up on your feet. Welcome back home to Detroit, your 2019 Detroit Tigers. Well, we had uh, uh, agreed to let Jay go from our sound booth so he could uh, <laughs> go to the Tigers. Uh, so I want to give you this microphone. Uh, are you pretty comfortable with handling that, uh, do you think? I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. Jay, that had to be a, a sweet uh, opportunity to, to uh, be invited to go to the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, I, was, uh, I just turned 60, so this was last fall. And I recall the uh, previous uh, PA announcer been there for 15 years was going to retire. And so I kind of said to myself, it's either now or never. My family said, this is, uh, this is your time. So I called them up, uh, sent them a little audio on, on my phone. I had no tape of what I can do and um, got the user response. Thanks, but no thanks. We're going to try to find somebody local, which I understood. And I just said, well, if I can do any games, I don't care if it's one game. I just to be, able to be yeah. at Comerica Park for a game would be great. Long story short, about three or four months later, after me badgering him <laughs> with phone calls and emails to the point where my, parent, my family was saying, stop. <laughs> I said, well, you, these guys got to know I want this job. He said, yeah, just stop. So I got the phone call. They would like me to be their PA announcer, and uh, it has been uh, a dream come true. The team, we're working on it. <laughs> but the, the job's so been great. So it's not a reflection that you are the announcer no. and then their performance. That's no, not I, I feel that we're at the bottom, and I'm just going to watch them crescendo right back bring, up to where they need to be. Back up. Yes, Have you yes. met any famous Tigers while you've been there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first uh, weekend I was there, I met uh, Al Kaline, and then Willie Horton, and, of course, awesome. see Jack Morris and other guys on TV all the time because yeah. we're all in the same press box area. I haven't met any of the players yet. I don't really go down to the clubhouse area. I, I guess I could if I want to, but uh, I kind of stay up top there. But uh, I, I like the team. The team, they fight. They don't yep. give up. I mean, they were down 4 nothing to the A's a couple nights ago. They won 5-4. to four. Of course, last night they lose 10-2, to two, but you know, yeah. <laughs> things happen. But they are fighters. They're a good group of young guys, and uh, a lot of them know they won't be making it past probably this year because they got a real good farm system yeah. going. So we'll yeah. see. So you kind of had, uh, in a sense, you had your dream dream position come and then uh, three months 
later, it was about three months later, I believe, you got just some kind of devastating news. And for those who aren't here, are, are you able to tell us, tell them what that yeah, news no was? Yeah, no problem at all. So um, I was starting to slow down a little bit, and I kept telling my wife, I'm, I'm turning 60. You know, I can't be as spry as I used to be. And Lisa kept saying, now that I know a lot of 60-year-old guys can do a lot more than what you're doing right now. <laughs> and so I was going to get my normal physical done in October, and in June she said, well, why don't you just go get the blood work done so we can make sure everything's okay. So I went and got my blood work done, and uh, my liver enzymes were higher than they usually are. They have these fatty liver enzymes, so it's always a little high. But they were a little bit higher. Another number was like, almost through the roof. It's supposed to be between 40 and 120. It was like 256. So the doctor said, uh, why don't we wait 10 days? Maybe it was just a spike. Maybe something was going on. We'll do it again. 10 days later, that number that was 256 went to 265. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, we got to do an ultrasound. So we'll see what's going on. So they did an ultrasound. This is all middle part, middle latter part of June, going into the 1st of July. And uh, they saw a spot on my, on my liver. And uh, so I got a little concerned. Of course, my older brother, Don, goes, ah, that ain't nothing. I got those all the time. They shoot a needle, pull out some fluid, and you're good to go. I said, oh, I can live with that kind of news. Well, that's not the kind of news it was. So they saw the spots, and they ordered a, a, a CAT scan right after that, the next day. I thought, what, like a week or two? He goes, no, 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 we're doing this tomorrow. So I thought, well, there's something going on. Well, when they did the CAT scan, they saw multiple masses on my liver and they also saw some spots in my lower part of my lungs and so they decided that they better do a biopsy so we get that done July 31st they got the news that what I am suffering from is stage 4 bile duct cancer it's a very deadly cancer that is extremely hard to find until after it has spread because it's in the bile duct which you can't really see there's absolutely no effects to it you feel, I was feeling a little tired, so that was the only effect. There wasn't any pain. I still have very little pain and discomfort, but it had spread to my liver, to my lungs, and they thought my lymph nodes, and I think my lymph nodes are okay. But needless to say, when I looked up bile duct cancer in, uh, in the internet, it was uh, 12 to 18 months. And uh, that's very rare. That's if everything goes like it's supposed to. Um, and this is pretty advanced, so um, I've had two treatments of chemo. I go back for my next chemo on Tuesday. They're giving me chemo uh, Tuesdays, two weeks and then a week off, two weeks and a week off. And so I have to do this, I think, four times. So I got one time in, so this will probably go on for another, I don't know, another month or two or three. But because of the chemo and because of my loss of air in my lungs, I can't really work because I, I sell, used to sell cars. So I had to go on medical leave through Fox Ford. There's no workman's comp to a car salesman. There's no short-term, long-term disability. I'm just living on the graces of God and the gifts that I've been receiving from folks just like you. And, uh, but I vowed to finish the Tigers. I told them. I started with them. I promise I, I, I want to be there April 2020 and opening day next year. Uh, and they've been gracious. They've been very, very kind. We're going to have to take time off for chemo to let me do that. And, uh, but it's taxing. This coming week, I've got six games in a row. And I just got done with that about a week ago, and, and it just about wore me out. So I covet your prayers just this week that God gives me the strength to continue on to, to do my, my dream job. Well, there's 
there's no question in that story that's a truckload of lemons, right? That's, you probably can identify with that theme, just, uh, um, and, uh, you know, my heart's go. Uh, my heart goes out to you as a friend. Well, and so I'm trying to find the right words to say, and I, and it, I don't have any. I don't have any right words to say. But I, I do, what I did find in your heartbeat was a, a similar um, pulse for what I was talking about this morning, and that was what was encouraging to me, and I guess I wanted people to hear, because I can say, this is what the Bible says, and this is what Paul did, but I'm, I'm doing pretty, I'm doing okay, you know, yeah. today. Yeah. But for somebody who's walking in your shoes, compared to what I said today and what I saw in Paul's life, I see you kind of embracing that. Yeah, you know, when this happened, I never once even thought of blaming God. Because every good and perfect gift comes from above. This is not a good and perfect gift. I knew where this came from. It came from the pit of hell. Satan is constantly searching this world, looking for people he can destroy. The thing that I love the most is... Excuse my French, but that bastard is on strings. Yeah. He can't do a thing without God saying, okay. Mm-hmm. His life is over. His existence is over. He's the most miserable bastard that ever lived. Mm-hmm. He made his bed. He's got to sleep in it. But this is what I'll tell you. I believe in my heart. And this is just what gets me through sometimes. When I think of the story of Job... Satan's going all over the world, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? I pray in my heart that when Satan was going over with his bile duct cancer over the world, God said, have have you considered my servant Jay? I wear this cancer as a badge of honor that God saw enough in me to say, he can handle this. His faith is strong enough. He's got enough family and support around him. You watch what happens when you touch this one. And I swear to you to this day, he regrets ever giving me this cancer. Because God has given me a boldness I've never had in my life. You've got to understand everything stripped away. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I've got this body that's wrecked with cancer, but I've got a heart and a soul that loves the Lord more than he's, they've ever loved before. So the beautiful thing is I'm untethered to this world. Nothing bothers me anymore. Nothing concerns me anymore. It's just me and God. When it's just you and God, you can live 24 hours 24 hours, 24 hours, 24 hours. And that's all he's ever promised us. When Jesus says there's enough worries for today, don't think about tomorrow, he wasn't kidding. He wants us to live 24 hours, 24 The Israelites, we need manna from God every single day. You don't store up that manna, you use that manna for today, and you wait for his blessings tomorrow. His blessings are new, his mercies are new every single day. So we got to stop living in a world that encompasses everything in our life. What are we going to do 10 years from now? We're gonna, there's nothing wrong with planning, but just realize you as a Christian are living on a 24-hour time period. Mm-hmm. That's how God designed it, because he doesn't want to give you any more that you can handle. What happens when you start thinking about tomorrow? Anxiety, anxiousness, worry, all the things that God says. You don't need to have those things in your life. 
Just live for me every single day. I'll take care of all the details. Mm -hmm. And he does. Mm -hmm. I'm praying, as Paul prayed, that I don't go home yet. Mm -hmm. My mom has that verse on her tombstone, to live as Christ, to die as gain. At 60 years old, I've got to be honest with you. I don't feel dying is gain for me just yet. I can't wait. Don't get me wrong. I can't wait to put my arms around Jesus, fall to his knees and just cry out how wonderful and how loving and how kind and all the majesty and all the honor and power that he deserves. But he's also given me a family. Mm -hmm. He's given me responsibilities here on earth. Mm -hmm. I know God is more than able and more than willing to take care of them if I go home. But if he actually wanted to give me the desires of my heart, mm -hmm. it would be some more years with my family. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm praying for, and that's what I ask you to pray for, that God just sees his way to say, not yet, not yet for Jay. If I was 75, 80, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody in any age or anything like that, <laughs> but if I was at that stage in my life... If you were past it. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> wait to get to heaven. Yeah. Right now, I can't wait to get home to my family. So I love you guys so very much. I appreciate all your prayers, your concerns. Please don't stop. This is just the start of the battle, but I do know who has the victory. Amen. I do know who is the King of Kings. I know who is the Lord of Lords, and I know who's going to heal me someday, whether it's here or it's in heaven. It's my Father, my Father, my Father in heaven. Amen. I'm not, I'm not done with you yet, so you can say. We are, uh, I want to pray for you in a minute. Everybody can be seated, and God, I hope you take that testimony. I mean, that was our applause for, for, uh, uh, for our great God who, uh, you know, lives um, our, and ha uh, acknowledges our faith, our deep faith. And so we, we uh, uh, praise God for that. And uh, one of the uh, sweet things um, that I've noticed is that you've been very bold with sharing your faith, too. And, and uh, there was one day that uh, I saw on the headlines of the Detroit Free Press, it was uh, talking about your faith in God and, and how God put that together. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, that was a pretty amazing article. Um, Anthony I, starts with an F. He does all the Tigers beat, beat writer. And, and uh, the news had come out. And, and I wanted the news to come out. I didn't want to keep this quiet. I wanted people to know this is what I'm dealing with. Um, why well, I don't know, but I just wanted to let people know. Some people keep it quiet, which is fine. For some reason, I went public with it, and I got some exposure on TV 8 with Jack Doles on it, and I guess some of the radio stations took little audio clips, put it in their morning show, because I said some things that, you know, didn't really make sense to the rest of the world, like, why would you thank God for cancer? You know, well, if I'm thanking for the good things, why can't I thank him for the bad things, you know? And uh, so I just, just, just my mindset was always to, to thank the Lord. Well, the gentleman got a hold of me from the free press and said, do you mind if we do an article about what you're dealing with? And I said, no, that'll be fine. So we sat down in the press box, and uh, he put his tape recorder down, and I said, how open can I be? He said, be as open as you, whatever you want. So we hit the play button or the record button on the, on the recorder, and I said, okay. I said, then just this, let me tell you my story. So I told him everything. He asked me questions like, did you ever, ever question why? And I said, how could I ever question why when there's childhood cancer 
why is that? Why, why, why a 20-year-old mother gets breast cancer? A 35-year-old husband gets in a car accident? A 54-year-old man that my wife knows drops dead on his treadmill? How could I ever say to God, well, why me? That's, that's pretty arrogant. You know, I just said, no, I, this is the lot God gave me, and this is just what I'm going to run with. So I did this article, and he basically verbatim wrote everything I said. I mean, they never write Jesus in the paper. He wrote the five letters of J-E-S-U-S. I couldn't believe it, you know. So this article come, comes out, and he said, yeah, it'll be out in a couple of days. And I thanked him. He was a 30-year-old Catholic that had kind of left the church with, after talking to me, thought maybe I need to start rethinking some things. So if you get a chance to read it, I think it's online someplace, just Jay's, my, my website is Jay's Crazy Cancer Journey. That's where all kinds of different stuff is on. But it's, it's, uh, to me, I'm shocked by the article because the way he wrote it so blatantly. But what really blessed me the most was there's the picture of me at, at uh, Comerica Park. Up, up below, right below it, the byline was unshakable faith. And I mean, it's huge. It's like a quarter page. And that is the highest compliment I have ever received from anyone. And it came from someone who isn't going to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I believe God has given me a platform that I never thought I'd have, just like Paul in prison. I never thought that I'd ever have an article in the free press praising Jesus and everything is there. Nothing was omitted. So what I pray for if God gives me a longer life is this is what I want to do. I just want to go to different churches and talk about what my testimony is. I, I, I always wanted to be a preacher. I always wanted to be a minister. My brother, older brother is an Anglican priest. My twin brother is a CRC pastor at Oakland Christian Reformed Church. And I went through a little bit of Bible college, but <coughs> nothing credited, never turned out anywhere. And just life just didn't allow this to happen for me. Everything was just going on. But I feel like kind of like Moses. I was saved when I was 20 years old. I'm 60 years old. 40 years had passed. I've mm. gone through the desert. And Moses didn't have a bad time in the desert. He found a wife. He had a lot of good. But there was time. So, <laughs> so in my desert life, I found a wife, three lovely kids. And so I just pray that maybe this also might be my burning bush. And maybe the, the Lord's going to finally say, I'm going to let you go. Yeah. Let you go tell my story. Yeah. Tell people who I really am. Yeah. Get that crazy dog, dog's crazy thoughts out of their heads that I'm, I'm keeping track of everything they do wrong. Tell them I love them. Tell them they mean the world to me. Tell them they're my children. I'll do anything, including giving my son so that I can have a relationship with them. That is my honest-to-God prayer that I get to do for the rest of my life if he allows me to live. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. What, what will sweeten that testimony is when you can say, I was the PA announcer for the 2021 World Series champions, Detroit Tigers. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what's, that's what's going to uh, make it. Uh, we want to, um, you know, I was inspired uh, the time that I sat down next day. You go to the hospital and you go to minister and think I'm going to bring. Uh, Jay really blessed me, and we were probably uh, halfway into our business. He said, I hope you don't mind that I'm doing all the talking today. And I said, I didn't expect anything else, really. Uh, but what, uh, what a blessing it was for me and just an encouragement. And I thought uh, I wanted you guys to be as encouraged as, as I was, and I hope you are. Uh, so we do, we do want to pray uh, for you. That's one of the ways that we uh, keep lifting Jay up. 
Uh, one of the things that the um, that your friends and supporters have done is created these little green bracelets. You can see I have one on here that says uh, "Pray for Pray for Jay and I and we believe and we believe in a God who does miracles. Uh, we believe in a God who brings healing, and so we're going to trust God in that and trust Him in His will. So we have some of these here today. Uh, Lee uh, Van Putten in the back there has a whole basket full, and so uh, Lee is with uh, one. She's wearing a red outfit and has red hair. And she'll be carrying a basket, like Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, she'll she'll have that, uh, so you can look for her there. Uh, and so we let's let's uh, make sure uh, we all commit to praying uh, for Jay. That's something we can do as one of our uh, in our church family. There's also a couple benefits and things coming up, so we will note those in our bulletin. And, uh, and there's a walk coming up, and because uh, we know there's some financial need that you guys have, and we want to encourage them in that way too. So just watch in the bulletin for that, and also you can go on. Uh, uh, Jay's crazy cancer journey uh, by Facebook and on the web and uh, kind of track along uh, with that and uh, in that ways to support him. And so we are your church family. Uh, we have a little pride that one of our own was in Detroit. And so Jay, we do want to pray for you and, and maybe Lisa can join us too for that. And I'm